You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome in to your Wednesday edition of Crunch Time here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. What's going on with Sean Payton? Can LSU or the Pelicans win a game at some point? And we'll talk NBA as well here on today's show. We've also got a wild poll question of the day to get to. Uh, Just to give you a tidbit of what the poll question is, five names is wild. Co-host, producer, man who likes to copy my style. It's Mr. James Mesh. I mean, dude, almost down to the shoes. It's the exact same outfit. Same color. It's the same outfit. (laughs) You're wearing the red polo, black pants, and tennis shoes. Yes. The only difference in our outfit is, is the, the type shoes. Of, is the type of pants. Oh my god! Because that matters. You wore black pants. Yeah. You copied me. No. <laughs> it's fine. You know, I, I've always said that I am the often imitated and never duplicated. So you know, imitation is the most pure is the most sincere form of flattery. So I appreciate it. I, I really do. Um, but if don't it helps you sleep better at night, sure. But don't ever do it again. Don't ever do it again. From now on, we're going to have daily text conversations. I'm going to ignore that text. To to prevent this from ever happening again. And and that's for your sake, because I don't want to look better than you, James. I don't I don't want I don't want to make you feel bad. You're so dumb. How's your day going, buddy? No, it's going just peachy. Oh Matt, how about you? Now now you're stealing my words. Wow, okay. Uh, my day is great. Thank you for asking. So the poll question of the day. Sorry, it's speaking, going pomegranate Speaking of our morning producer, Hannah Five Names, the poll question of the day is, what is the most ridiculous thing that Five Names eats? Because the list is long. We, could only come, we only were allowed to do three. Dry ramen. Or as she likes to say, ramen. Literally just grabbing eat. grabbing a bag out of the box. Mm-hmm. Crunching on it. Crunching it up crunching it up like you're going to cook it, but then not cooking it. You crunch your ramen noodles up before you cook it? Yes. Oh my god. Do you not? You're a psychopath. Do you not? You're a, you're a psycho. I take the bag, I flatten it out, open it up, dump it in a bowl. Oh. Do you not? Oh, Matthias. You, you cooked the whole brick? Oh, my God. 
Do you Wait, crunch no, up I'm your? Se- I'm serious. Do you crunch up your spaghetti noodles? I don't eat spaghetti that often, to be fair. Um, but would you do that? I break them in half. Yes. <sighs> I break them in half so that they're not as long. Yes, James, I do. So wait, let me get this straight. There's so many things wrong with what you Let just me get did. this straight. You take that entire brick out of the bag and just put it in a bowl? I cook it. I cook it al dente. Or I, I just cook it down in general to where it's soft noodly form. I don't crush it up. Okay, well, hold on. There, there's another big detail here. Do you do yours on the stove or do you do yours in the microwave? If I'm lazy, I just put it in the microwave. But if I'm cooking, because I used to work at a ramen restaurant, I try to cook it as close to that as possible. Well, you see, you take it too far. I just throw it in the microwave every time. It's going to kill me. Why do I need to do work? You're a buffoon. <laughs> I'm just saying. You're Okay, but but this this is even weirder than dry ramen. Cheese? On red beans? It's funny because most of these were going to be like cheese on this, cheese on that. Cheese But the on cheese on the red beans really red stood beans. out. Red runner, to be specific. So so first of all, red runner or blue it's blue runner. Or blue runner. Did I yeah, say red blue, runner? Yeah. Blue, blue runner. runner red beans. Which are, are, are bad, first off. Um <laughs> not getting a sponsorship there. And then you put cheese on it. Honey, who who hurt you? It's like Patrick Mahomes putting ketchup on everything. Oh my god! <laughs> Cheese on everything what, doesn't matter. Like, who? Like, don't get me wrong. I like cheese. I do too. I would love to go to Wisconsin and and go tour like a cheese factory or a dairy factory or whatever it is. But like cheese on red beans. That's like putting shredded cheese in a bowl of gumbo. No. It's just not right. You don't do that. No. And then the the third one that was chosen, I don't eat them, but I've seen them everywhere, so it doesn't really surprise me. This was a new concept to me. Pickle popsicles. Or pickle sickles. I, I, I get you drinking the pickle juice if you're an athlete to prevent, you know, cramping. Freeze it up, baby. But freeze it freeze up. It, up. I, it threw me off. I'm like, but... But it's like, she, she, <laughs> dude, concession stands have started selling pickle pops. That's interesting. Fifty cents a piece. It comes, you know, the little little sauce jars, little solo cup sauce containers, the little tiny plastic. Mm-hmm. They they freeze them in those. It's fifty cents a fifty cents a thing. I mean, concession I, stands are doing it all the time. I mean, I'd rather just drink it. I mean, I don't necessarily disagree, but which that's why it was such an because like I would get you drinking. The pickle juice to like you know just get it over with, but to you you talk about waiting and like you just trying to get your ramen out the way, heating it up in the microwave for like two minutes. It's like you waiting multiple hours to freeze your pickle juice. Really? Looking at some of the comments, <laughs> Ton chimed in. All of the above. All of the above. All of the above. He said, "I have two questions. Number one, how can five names still have taste buds?" Number two, how is Five Names still alive? He said, and then bonus question, which appliance is used more, microwave for rice or a toaster for Pop-Tarts? Well, I don't toast Pop-Tarts, so, you know. Hey, that's another weird thing. JK comes in, if I take Hannah's cheesy red beans and rice, dress it up by adding a little meat, taco sauce, and wrap it in a tortilla, 
Isn't it just a Taco Bell burrito? I mean, that's not f- far off. Darren says, who knows what else is in that cookbook? <laughs> I'm scared to look. She has a cookbook? Uh, no, but maybe uh-huh. she should make one. Uh, no, she shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> and then Krista comes in. The three reasons I listen to this show, talking about RP3 and company, to figure out what the hell Ton is talking about, learning about sports here, to hear Hannah Five Names put guys in check, and then to vote on Wednesdays. Speaking of, cheese on red beans? Again, honey, who hurts you? Are you okay? Blink twice if you need help. <laughs> Blink twice for help. I, I mean, that's not it's not inaccurate. Hannah, Hannah needs help. <laughs> she, you saw the comment by her? Yeah, they're all amazing. They're all amazing. Oh, oh, uh-huh. That's so cute. Oh. Of, of course. I can't believe we spent an entire segment talking about <laughs> the, the foodie poll question of the day. So... Getting getting to sports now, it's so interesting though. It really it really is. She's she's so strange. Um, Sean Payton has supposedly canceled all second interviews with potential teams that he could be coaching. Yeah, because he was supposed to meet with Denver for a second time. Correct. But the way the national media is spinning it is that teams haven't requested a second interview with Sean Payton, which that seems crazy to me. And then Ian Rappaport went as far as to say that there is no place in the coaching world for Sean Payton at the moment. How are you going to say that? When Sean has a first interview with a team tomorrow, what's he going to do? Walk into the new general manager's office and just go, Hey, hey man, (laughs) good to see you. How you doing? All right, good talk. You, You really think that there's not a place in the world for a Super Bowl winning coach? I don't care if it was 14 years ago. The man's won a Super Bowl. Brendan Earl put it pretty well. Many around the league, including some of the candidates for this job, have considered him the top target for Denver. But then another report saying, eh, he's probably going back to Fox. <laughs> it's like, okay, so which one is it? I, I really think that the going back to Fox thing is just smoke and mirrors. It, 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 it very well could be. I really... Because usually it's like if if there's a candidate right away that's popping off the screen right away and it's not just uh, Tuesday or Wednesday afternoon where you're just needing something in the news cycle. If it's it's still there even during the weekend, that's that's something to look at. I would not be surprised, James, if Sean goes through the interview with Arizona tomorrow just kind of out of respect, formality type of thing, and then Friday we hear the news that he's being traded to Denver. I really wouldn't be surprised if that if it goes down that way, or if there's another team that just comes out of nowhere. And Correct, swoops because them up. because people have been talking about a mystery team that's in the mix. Which even though Jerry Jones has come out multiple um, times to say not getting of Mike McCarthy, I'm that's, telling you. that still could be possibly a scenario. You never know. Maybe maybe even the well, no, not the Colts. They they just love themselves some <laughs> some El Jefe. Oh God. 
They they do love themselves some El Jefe. But look, but like another mystery team that just comes out of the blue. You're like, wait, what? No, I mean I, it makes sense, but it's like, when was where was this in the cycle? Let me let me preface this by saying I don't think that the Cowboys are going to fire Mike McCarthy. I don't. However, you Jerry, see a scenario. I see a world where Jerry Jones would go, oh, I have the opportunity to get Sean Payton. McCarthy, get the hell out. You're gone. Saints, what do you want? Two first, I'll give it to you. Sean, come come back. Like I, I see a world where Jerry Jones would do anything possible to get his hands on Sean Payton. But a, a great point that has been brought up you know, in the last day or so, Mike McCarthy and Sean Payton, very similar head coaches. They both have a similar number of wins. They both have a similar playoff record. They both only have one Super Bowl. And I hate to say this because we love Sean Payton around here. He's notoriously choked in the playoffs. Underperformed. So... Would would Sean Payton be an upgrade for the Dallas Cowboys? Probably not. Probably, but at the same time, it's not like a significant one. Correct. So now, you're like you're going through all this trouble after you made it to the division round and got it down to the wire with the team that is in the conference finals in the 49ers. And then you and then you're like, uh, we'll make we'll make a slight adjustment, or now, a, a, I guess you could say a slight upgrade. Now, Sean Payton is a significant upgrade for Denver. Yes. Or Arizona. It would be be a significant upgrade for Carolina. Carolina. Although I kind of like Steve Wilkes. I like like Steve. I I really think Carolina, they put in their bid for it. Yeah. To be like, hey, like, hey, I mean, why why would you not want to try and get somebody like Sean Payton, even though you know the likelihood of you being able to get him? Is not very high, but you still put in your bid. You're like, ah, well, let's let's see if it works. Yeah. And then same thing with the Texans. Even though Lovey Smith is a very much veteran coach, has a lot of experience. It's just they they were just ready to move on from him. They were looking for a new coach and getting an upgrade like Sean Payton. I mean, why wouldn't you go for it? Same thing with the Panthers. Same thing with the, nope. the Broncos. Same thing with the Cardinals. Yeah, absolutely great show today. Jay Walker joining us at 4.30. Sam Amico of HoopsWire.com joining us at 5 o'clock to talk all things NBA. And, of course, your calls on the hotline, 337-706-0111. Don't go anywhere. Crunch Time continues right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you need help taking your lady out for Valentine's Day, the help you need can be found inside the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Score $150 to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort, $50 to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville, $40 to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard, or $25 to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. But remember, the only way to score these great prizes to help with Valentine's Day is by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Sign up today. 
Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 421 here on your Wednesday Looking at some top stories in the world of sports. The AFC title game coming up this Sunday between the Bengals and the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes says he's ready to go. Supposedly not using crutches to get around the facility. Walking around without a boot. And even participated in practice earlier today. Which is all great news for the Chiefs. But again... He can say, it's ready to, I'm ready to go, and oh, my ankle's doing well, and blah, blah, blah. But the second that he takes a hit on Sunday, I mean, the, at, at best, he's going to be what? At absolute best, 80%? Probably about 70, 75, maybe 80 if you if it, at, if at it heals At absolute freak of nature, 80%. Because like, once you get into that game... I don't care how focused you are on the game itself. You're still going to be in the back of your mind self subconsciously worrying about that ankle and making sure that it doesn't get further injured. I just I don't see a world where Patrick Mahomes can come out a week after suffering a high ankle sprain and be Patrick Mahomes. I just don't. Now, could could I be are there devices that can be worn to make it a little bit better. Yes, you saw you saw Deuce play with a high ankle sprain when he was with the Saints. But again, a position like quarterback and a guy that does as much as Patrick Mahomes does for the Chiefs offense, I just can't see a world where that works. It's 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 gonna take away some things that they do because you look at Mahomes and his ability to roll out the pocket, left or right, or just kind of fall back within the pocket and drift back and still hit it on the money because of his arm strength. But with that, his mobility is going to be limited, so you're going to have to rely. He's going to have to rely on just getting out with shorter routes faster, getting it to his playmakers a lot quicker instead of having these long developing plays. Plus, even if you do want to do that, he's going to probably go for some more jump passes. You've seen it a couple times throughout the season. You kind of saw it a little bit in that game versus the Jags. It's going to be something that he's probably going to have to rely yeah. on a little bit more in this game just just to be safe because it's like you w- you don't want to put too much pressure on that ankle. Yeah, he said, I feel better than I thought I was going to after the game. Moving on it during the game hurt, but after the game I was able to rest, ice it up, and do different stuff like that. Every day has felt a little bit better, so we'll see how I feel at practice today. He was listed as a full participant in practice. So what that means, I mean, I can't imagine he was back in 11 on on 11 drills, but you know, participating in, in some capacity is obviously a, a a positive if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. Also in the NFL, award finalists were announced earlier today for the AP Awards. Your five finalists for the MVP award are Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson, and Patrick Mahomes. Offensive player of the year, Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson, Patrick Mahomes. 
uh, comeback player of the year. Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, and Geno Smith. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Sauce Gardner, Aiden Hutchinson, Tariq Woolen, and then Offensive Rookie of the Year, Brock Purdy, Kenneth Walker, and Garrett Wilson. Wrong. 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 Garrett Wilson, sure. 83 catches, 1,100 yards, four touchdowns. Sure. Kenneth Walker had a nice year also, over 1,000 yards. Was, was very dependable for the Seahawks. Great. Brock Purdy is the problem that I have. And that is coming from somebody that has been one of the biggest supporters of Brock Purdy. Which is what makes it so wild. You can't be a finalist for a season-long award when you played six games. You just can't. It's a 17-game season. You played six of them. That is barely 40%. There, there's no world where that should be okay. None. Chris Olave played 15 games. He missed two because of a concussion. But he played 15 games. Had over 1,000 yards. Had four touchdowns. Was the number one receiver on his team. Brock Purdy played six games. Granted, did he play those six games well? Absolutely. Six regular season and then two in the playoffs? I just Kid, I, kids eight and no, but it's but it's not a playoff award though. It is a regular season honor. You played six games. You do not deserve a season long award. You know what's crazy? He's probably gonna win. He's gonna get it, and that's crap. That further proves everybody's conspiracy theory that these awards are nothing but a popularity contest. That's all it is. Who's the most popular player in this category? That's why the ones like the Pepsi Zero Sugar Rookie of the Year, where the fan votes, matter. And guess what? Chris Lave is a finalist in that one. But the Associated Press says that you know, Brock Purdy did enough in his six games to be included for Rookie of the Year. I mean, whatever. At the end of the day, it, it's, it, it's you know, it, it is what it is. Darren comes in says, if it's like that, Brees Hall needs to be over Brock Purdy. I wouldn't disagree. If we're going to put in players that only played half the season, why isn't Brees Hall in there? I, I don't I don't disagree with that take. MVP, if I had to to make a guess real quick, I would put my money on Joe Barrow. I would put my money on Joe Barrow. James, who do you think wins MVP? Well, it's it's not gonna be somebody that's not a quarterback. 
Well, I mean, the only one, be... the only one that's a finalist that isn't a quarterback is Jettis. And it's like that's lovely. Uh, I love what Justin Jefferson did this year, but they're they're not going to get. But that, well, that's like that's like he he posted on Twitter earlier. He retweeted the NFL's tweet about who the finalists were, and he was like, "I'm happy just to be a nominee. Like I'm good." Yeah, because anybody that's not a quarterback, you don't win. They, they don't get it unless you have a freak season, right? Like the last time was Adrian Peterson when he had, when he had the two twenty one hundred yards. He had to put up over two thousand yards. Right. So it's like in. It's very deserving with Justin since he had put up 1,800 and then he had eight, nine touchdowns. So it's like, I mean, he led the league and was near the top in just about everything. So, of course, he deserves it, but they're not going to give it to him. No. I I, I like Joe at this point. I, I think if he defeats, and I know it's a regular season award, but I think if he, if Joe Burrow gets past Patrick Mahomes again, on Sunday, I think the the last few votes are going to tip towards his favor for sure. And then who's your vote for Coach of the Year? Brian Dable, Doug Peterson, or Kyle Shanahan? Nick Sirianni's not there? Nope. Interesting. So Dable, Peterson, Shanahan. Mm, I, I really like Brian, what Brian Dable has done. Yeah, I, I think I think that's my my vote for Coach of the Year also. Because, I mean, look look what he's done in turn around the Giants. The Giants. The like, Giants. They were a laughing stock. People, were, people before the season were making fun of Daniel Jones and this Giants squad because, like, they have no receivers. Kenny Galladay overpaid, yet they still were able to win a playoff game yeah. and turn it around. And he made Daniel Jones look competent. Like a, a top 15 quarterback in the league. Right. So, yeah. No. Brian Dable's coach of the year. In, in, uh, in my opinion. Take a time out. Jay Walker joins us next for Cajun Corner right here on The Game. Going deep downfield. He's got a receiver. It's caught. Touchdown, Louisiana. Can't get enough of the vermilion and white? Then you're in luck. Here is the Cajun's Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. One of my favorite segments of the week. Jay Walker, how are you, sir? I got I got to sleep in my own bed two nights in a row. I'm doing great. <laughs> I love to hear that. So you know, Jay, we're we're eight conference games in. Six of them were were on the road, and you told me when the season started that if the Cajuns could go six and two to open conference play, they would be in good shape. Well, here we are at six and two. Well, and and I don't think that they're in bad shape. Um, I, you know, if you had asked me to go ahead and pick out which games would be wins and which games would be losses, I probably would have got it wrong. But that's why you look at things, you know, in, in a congregate rather than a game at a time. I, you know, when you're playing six out of eight in the road, you know, the the whole idea is is to win your home games and steal what you can away from home. And if you get four out of six uh, away from home, that's pretty good. And and so I that's what I was that's what I was hoping for. And um, you know if you if you go back and take it a game at a time, you know you could have said, well, you know maybe they could have won this game, but at the same time maybe they could have not won this game, but they did. So uh, you know six and two I think is is good. Um, a lot of basketball to be played, though, buddy. A lot of basketball to be played, and you know you'll uh, you'll hit the halfway point 
of the conference season tomorrow. Uh, but but still, there's a lot, a lot of basketball coming down the pike. Now, you know, this last road trip, they went to Arkansas State and then to Texas State. Both games were nine-point victories for the Cajuns. Uh, what, what, what stood out to you about those two wins? Well, you're going to two places that, for the Cajuns anyway, have never been an easy place to win. Cajuns had lost four in a row uh, up at Jonesboro. Um, you know, the Cajuns were a better basketball team than Arkansas State. But, heck, I thought they were a better basketball team than Arkansas State. A couple of times they went up there and didn't win. So, you know, just because you're you're a little bit better doesn't mean you're going to win. you still got to go out and play. And, you know, Jordan Brown was just a tremendous um, and – they didn't have an answer for him, and the Cajuns were, you know, that that was another one of those games that you got off to a great start. You were never really in danger of losing the game, uh, and you basically led tip to buzzer. Um, you know, Texas State, I knew, would be a tougher game um, because the, uh, you know, the, the, the Bobcats make you play according to the way they want you to play, and as a result, it's going to be a tight game until the last four minutes. And then, you know, if you win the last four minutes, you've got a chance to win the game. Uh, the Cajuns were able to get the victory in that one. But, you know, neither one of them were going to be easy going in, but they got they got the job done in, in both of those games. And, you know, looking at, at the play of the team, obviously, you know, Greg Williams was a storyline while they were on the road. He got hurt in the Arkansas State game, did not return, but was able to return against Texas State and, and played really well. And and Monday, you know, listening to Bob Marlin, he described Frank, I mean, Greg Williams as a guy who could have a similar season to what Frank Bartley did when he was a senior here uh, at Louisiana. Just kind of talk about Greg and, and the year that he's had and how much growth you've seen out of him from his first year in Lafayette to this year. Well, you know, I, I thought Greg's coming out party was the conference tournament last year. You know, Kobe Kobe Julian had gotten hurt, and so Greg had to go and into Kobe's position, which I really think is more of a natural position for him. Uh, and he wound up in the all-tournament team. Um, the the only thing that I can say about Greg is he's coming out and he's playing like a senior. You know, he's playing with a sense of urgency, like he knows he doesn't have that many more games wearing the red and white, and he wants to make the most of them. And you know, he's been a he's been a very good leader for this team, more by example than vocal, but he's been a good leader, and uh, and he's been a very consistent basketball player for the Cajuns this year. He's a, he's having an all conference year, and I'll tell you, I couldn't be happier. Uh, for for Greg, I just I think he's I think he's a fine young man. I'm glad he I'm glad he came home for for his last two years, and I'm glad he's having the success that he is. Chatting with Jay Walker here on Crunch Time, looking ahead to tomorrow night and then Saturday. You got two opponents that are that are breathing down your neck in the standings. Troy and Georgia Southern both tied for second in the Sun Belt. We'll start with Troy. You know, what do the Trojans do well? What's the matchup like between the Cajuns and the Trojans tomorrow night? Well, in conference play, they've defended very well. Opponents are not shooting very well, uh, either from the, the field or from three-point range against Troy since conference play began. Uh, they take, I, they take uh, I'm not going to say the most, but they're right there near the top as far as the number of three-point baskets attempted during the year. Uh, you know, Zay Williams is a guy who's been with him for a long time. He's had a nice career there. Uh, Nelson Phillips has, has come in. Uh, he's a Georgia State transfer. 
Uh, he's played well for them. They got four guys that average in double figures. They they spread it around. They're not playing as many guys as they did a year ago. They're playing 12, 13 guys regularly last year. They've cut that down to about eight. Uh, injuries have been part of the reason why. Um, but, you know, Scott Cross is a good basketball coach. And um, he's got, you know, he won 20 games at Troy, and that's not an easy thing to do. But he got it last year. He's on his way maybe to doing that again. You know, the thing that amazes me while prepping for this game are two things. First of all, how much the Cajuns have dominated this series. The Cajuns have won seven in a row, 12 out of the last 13. Bob Marlin is 15-2 and two against, uh, against Troy in his, uh, in his career. And the other thing has been how well Bob Marlin's done against Scott Cross in head-to-head competition. You know, we, we look at Scott Cross. We all know he's a good basketball coach. I mean, you know, it, you talk to anybody who follows the Sun Belt that's here in La- where you think, Scott, oh, man, he's a great coach. Uh, you know, he'd, it'd be great if he coached here. And, it, you know, and I, I agree with all of those things. But Scott Cross is 4-11 and against the Cajuns. Um, you know, for some reason, the Cajuns have kind of had his number. And, you know, they've won a couple of critical games. And, of course, the biggest one, that uh, that semifinal game in the conference tournament back in 2018. But, you know, that that has been the exception, not the rule. Now, does all of that mean just because the Cajuns have dominated Troy, because Scott Cross has struggled against the Cajuns, does that mean that the Cajuns don't have to show up tonight? Well, tomorrow night, well, of course, that that's a silly thing to say. Uh, Troy's a good basketball team. Cajuns are going to have to play well to win, but it's the history that surprises me a little bit. And then, you know, looking at the Saturday matchup with the Eagles of Georgia Southern, that that's always been a, a talented group of, you know, in, in that matchup with the Cajuns and the Eagles. And Brian Berg, you know, in his third season at Georgia Southern, has done a nice job so far. You know what are your what are your thoughts on that matchup and uh, against the Eagles? When I, when I wa- I watched them a couple times early in the year, and and the conclusion I drew was they weren't very good. They had a lot of trouble scoring the basketball. They were good defensively, but they really had trouble scoring the basketball. They weren't uh, they weren't great on the boards. They there wasn't a whole lot of things that they did well. And then you know conference play starts, and all of a sudden you know this team starting to get their act together. They've got some guys who can score. Sabrasov, uh, the guy inside, is, is, a, is a tough matchup as a big man because he can step out and shoot a three-pointer. Caden um, Archie has done a really, really nice job for them uh, from the guard spot. And they do play good defense. You know, Brian Berg is a, is a Chris Beard disciple. You know, he's all about the defense. Uh, but they, they turned out to be a better team than I thought they were going to be. Um, now, you know, ULM punched him in the nose over in Statesboro last week. Um, and I really think that one of the keys to beating Georgia Southern is getting off to a good start. Um, and ULM got off to a great start in that game, had a 20-point lead in the first half. Um, not going to be an easy game. Uh, Cajuns have lost a lot of close games uh, against Georgia Southern. And, uh, but this is, a, this is a, a team that's played better than we expected. Uh, they're playing better than what the coaches thought when they picked them like 11th in the league or whatever it was. Um, they don't turn the ball over a lot, and um, they'll be a tough matchup for sure. You know, it's obviously great to play four straight games at home, Jay, but if you look at this stretch of four, 
Troy, Georgia Southern this weekend, and then Texas State, Marshall next weekend. I mean, does it does it get a harder stretch than that? Yeah, the harder stretch would be if all those games are on the road. You know, the the good news is at least you've got them at the Cajun Dome. And uh, but you're right. I mean, you know, all of those teams are very capable. All four teams are capable of coming into the Cajun Dome and winning. Um, but I'm glad you got them at home now. You know, Texas State, you're going to, you know, you've, you just played them a couple days ago, and you're going to play them again a week from tonight. So they'll be fresh in your mind. And, you know, Marshall is the team that that even though there's a three-way tie for first, even though you got two teams at 17-4 and four and a team at 16-4, and four, I think a lot of people think that Marshall might be the best team in the Sun Belt. And you only play them once, you get them at home, and, and you know, that one could be a rocket good time. Uh, especially if the Cajuns keep winning, you got the chicken coming that back that night. You could just have an, uh, an atmosphere at the Cajun Dome that you haven't had in years, and I'm hoping that that's the case because um, I've had that one circled for a while. I think it's going to be the biggest game of the year. The chicken makes the atmosphere, though, right? He helps. He helps. No, I'll tell you. You know, you know, our atmosphere starts in 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 college sports. It starts with your student section, and. You know the the students, of course, haven't been around for most of the of the season, and the two games that the Cajuns have played since conference play started, the students weren't in. Where they're they're back now, and I have a feeling that you're going to see a rocking student section along with the band for these next four games. And if the Cajuns can feed off that and continue to win. Then um, yeah, the chicken the chicken's going to help because he's going to entertain during timeouts. But as far as just the atmosphere is concerned, uh, that's going to start in the end zone to my right. Jay Walker joining us for Cajuns Corner each and every week. Jay, appreciate you as always. Have a great call in these next two games, and uh, we'll do it all again next week. I'll look forward to it. Thanks for having me, go Cajuns. We'll wrap up hour number one right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game is throwing you something far better than cheap plastic beads this Mardi Gras. Score a $500 Visa gift card. Just download the game mobile app, open the app, and click on the Mardi Gras Moolah tab. And you are well on your way to winning a $500 Visa gift card. It's the game's Mardi Gras moolah sweepstakes. Download the app, win money. It's that simple, and it's all from the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up. It's a goner. Your home. For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Foodie poll question of the day. What is the most ridiculous thing that five names eats? Is it dry ramen? Is it cheese on red beans and rice? Is it pickle popsicles? All of it. All of the above. It's all of it. Right now, all the above is leading 40%. Next highest is cheese on red beans. 19% 19% goes to the dry ramen, while the pickle popsicles only get one-tenth of the votes. 
everything that is listed and then some is strange. It's weird. And it, it fits five names so perfectly. John Paul, earlier in the day, it said, being a father of two college students, I know dry ramen is a thing, and you can buy pickle popsicles in any store. So on, so cheese on red beans, it is. Yeah, that's that one. That one really caught me off guard. I was like, wait, hold on. Hold yeah, that, on. Are that y'all, is. Are y'all fibbing with me? What are y'all talking about? What? what? That is very strange. A, a funny little tweet. I wouldn't necessarily say funny, but it is very interesting that I had found during the timeout. It says former Saints tight end Benjamin Watson recently shared that the Cleveland Browns asked him if he ever smoked pot. Once he said no, the interviewer grabbed his wrist to feel his pulse and asked him again louder. What? What's going I, on? I, what is what is up with the Browns organization? I have no words. <laughs> that one. I. Why? What? Why? First of all, are you sure I, about I, that? I have. I have. I Has have he three, grabs the wrist? I have three questions. Number one: mm-hmm. When did that interview happen? Because if it happened while he was a player, it makes a little more sense, but still strange. Question number two. What gave you the idea to even ask somebody that question? I I just don't understand why somebody would look at another person and go, hmm, I wonder if he does blank. Judgmental much? That's ridiculous, dude. That is insane. Another thing that is is kind of insane. It is no secret that the Arizona Cardinals are trying to trade DeAndre Hopkins. Some reporters believe send him to New England that it makes more sense for the Cardinals to keep him. Because the reason being is at best they would get a day two pick for him. Well, they only gave away a day two pick. For, because of his age, his injury history, and the fact that he is owed $19.4 million in 2023. So it might make more sense for the Cardinals to keep him. Do I agree with that logic? No. Because you could find a day two talent that turns out to be just as good, if not better, than DeAndre Hopkins. And for the next four years, pay him significantly less money. Not to mention, you did do an extension with Marquise Brown. Correct. You made it you did an extension with Kyler Murray recently, right? And you also you also have Rondell Moore. That you need to develop. <laughs> you you don't need DeAndre Hopkins. D Hop's nice, but you should go get somebody else for it. Because look, you're talking about a day two pick. Uh didn't they give up a day two pick for DeAndre Hopkins? Correct. You know who you know who you could go you know who you could go get with a day two pick? 
a Jalen Hyatt. A guy who has proven to be very talented in the world of football. Uh, could be a young talent for you that could turn out to be a better player than DeAndre Hopkins ever was. And you'd pay him significantly less money for the next four years. That's a big take. It is, but who, who's to say? I mean, who? I mean, no. It's just th- those are big shoes to try and fill. I agree. But but the point is, is that for four years, so what? You'd have you, him on. You, you you'd pay, have him on a rookie contract. You pay DeAndre Hopkins nineteen point four compared to a day two draft pick that could do similar things for what three and eight years younger. Maybe three, maybe even less on his rookie deal. To me, I know the the money isn't everything. I mean, you got to have talent, but to me, that's a no-brainer. You're talking $16 million difference. Hour number one of Crunch Time is in the books. Hour number two. We're going to kick it off with Sam Amico of HoopsWire.com talking all things NBA. Brandon Ingram is back for the Pels tonight. We will preview that matchup. Plus, we will talk about LSU men's basketball and how they could maybe get off the struggle bus in the next couple of days. You are listening to Crunch Time here on The Game. It's 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it is your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros, we're back after the stop of the hour. Sports update. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of Crunch Time here on the game. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion. Houston Astros. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. In hour number one, we touched on the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. We talked about Sean Payton and much more. Here in hour number two, we're going to talk LSU men's basketball and what they can do going forward after losing their seventh straight SEC game last night. And the New Orleans Pelicans getting Brandon Ingram back. And how big that's going to be as they head into the All-Star break. We'll talk about that and much more right now with our guy Sam Amico of HoopsWire.com. Sam, thanks so much for taking the time, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So, you know, hitting about the halfway point of, of the NBA season so far, the Celtics, top of the East, no no big surprise there. The Nuggets top of the West, really no big surprise there. Uh, what have kind of been your thoughts of the NBA season so far as we're about 50 games in? I would say the, the, the great thing about the season, for the most part, is we still don't know who's getting to the finals. You know, usually, I won't even say usually, up until really the Bucks suns finals, you always kind of knew, okay, these are the clear-cut favorites to get to the NBA Finals. Now the NBA is just very similar to the NFL in that it seems like, you know, anything can happen. Um, And I I would think that that's a good thing for the fans and a good thing for the league overall. Now, are are you surprised with how 
wide open the Western Conference feels? Because like right now, I, I know the Nuggets have a two and a half game lead on, on Memphis, but you've got six, seven teams within ten games with thirty something to go. I mean, anybody's within striking distance at that point. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a surprise. You know, obviously the defending champs, Golden State, has struggled mightily, particularly on the road. Uh, haven't they've been far from dominant at home? They've had some injury issues. Draymond Green and Clay Thompson are getting up there a little bit in age. It's starting to show. Don't have a lot of depth. I mean, I think going into the season, I kind of expected the Warriors to kind of be the team to beat, but they've been far from that. You know, Western Conference. Pelicans have had Zion again, on and off again, still right near the top. You know, uh, I don't, I don't know that I was expecting that. I don't know that people would be expecting that without Zion Williamson and, and Brandon Ingram for a large chunk as well. So there's a lot of storylines. I mean, you look like the Sacramento Kings, currently third in the Western Conference. I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. Uh, so I, I think there are a lot of good surprises, pleasant surprises like the Kings. I would put the Pelicans up there. I don't know that, you know, the Nuggets have had a nice run. I don't think anybody expected them in first place in the Western Conference after 50 games. You know, the Utah Jazz started stronger than people were expecting. So the Western Conference, to me, a lot of surprises there. You go out to the Eastern Conference, I don't know that there are surprises, but again, this could come down to the final week to see who's one through eight uh, in in the East as well as the West. Now you know, looking at the New Orleans Pelicans, like you mentioned, fourth in the West, eight games out of the lead. But Sam, they've been struggling recently without Zion and Brandon Ingram. Two and eight in their last ten, five straight losses now after falling to Denver last night. They are going to get Brandon Ingram back tonight. Still waiting on Zion, probably two more weeks or so. How crucial is it to get one of those pieces back for the Pels to get back on track? Yeah, it's important. You know, I mean, they're starting, like you said, they've been starting to feel the effects of that a little bit. Uh, Not having either one of your, you know, other than C.J. McCollum, your your two best guys, right? So you don't have either of them. Maybe you can play and survive and stay above water for a little bit, but eventually it's going to come back to haunt you or come, you know, it's, it's going to catch up with you. So getting Ingram back and ready to go is, should provide just, you know, a huge boost in terms of basketball, but a huge morale boost. And then, you know, what you're hoping for is that he and Williamson are both healthy at the end of the season when it means the most. Until then, try to stay the course, stay in that four or five seed, you know, get into the playoffs, have your best guys available for the playoffs, and then you never know what can happen because, as we just said, everything's wide open. But the key is just stay in that four or five. You don't want to go below six, really, when you've had this kind of a season that New Orleans has had because that would be a disappointment to have to play in the play-in game after you've played so well for most of the year. So that's a big key, you know. At least have one of those guys, and they should be in good shape. Looking at one of the more polarizing teams in the NBA and the Los Angeles Lakers, you know, there's been rumors and reports that LeBron James is is annoyed with the Lakers front office and, and could be looking to to move on from LA. 
this offseason. Kind of talk about that. Where do you think LeBron could go in the offseason? And one thing that a lot of people aren't talking about that I could see happening, could LeBron decide to hang it up this offseason? You know, it's funny that you say that because <clears throat> that was the first time I had that thought today. I thought maybe he could just walk away. I think right now, from the looks of things, he seems to be wanting to get this scoring record over with. Okay, he probably, I think he has to average 17 points, 18 points over the next 10 games, which he surely will do if he stays healthy to break Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record. I would not be stunned if after that's over that he just says, you know what, these Lakers aren't going to win it. They're not going to win more championships, not as currently constructed. Their hands are tied. I mean, the, they made a nice deal for, for Hachimura from the Wizards. They, they got a nice player there. How much he's actually going to move the needle remains to be seen. They still need a lot of help in the backcourt. You know, they're getting Anthony Davis back. I think a lot of it's going to be determined on how this season plays out. You know, I would think that he would be more willing, more likely to hang it up and say goodbye than he would be to go to another team again. I could be wrong, but at this stage of his career, I think it's either Lakers or bust. And if it doesn't, you know, if it doesn't start getting better with the Lakers here soon, yeah, I could, I could see that being an option of just saying, you know what, I'm going to spend time with my family. Uh, and, and either get into the front office somewhere or, or just take a year away and then get into broadcasting. You know, so I, I don't know. I, I think that it remains to be seen. I think that he hasn't made up his mind on what he's going to do next, but I think what the Lakers do next is going to play a big role in that. But right now, frankly, there's not a whole lot they can do to really improve that team. Sam Amico of HoopsWire.com joining us here on the game hotline, the trade deadline coming up here in just a few short weeks. Sam, do you see any big moves getting made before or even on the NBA trade deadline? Yeah, I think I think the Raptors are probably, you know, it sounds like they could move Fred Van Vliet, and, and they're getting ready to go on a West Coast swing that's like seven games long. 20 and 27, uh, they they may, you know, and they Van Vliet's going to be a free agent or can opt out of his contract at the end of the season. <clears throat> I could see him now, obviously not a big name, but a guy who's kind of a difference maker. The Suns are really looking to shake things up. He's an option for them. I really think the Hornets, outside of LaMelo Ball, they're really looking to shake things up. Kelly Oubre Jr., uh, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, all those guys could be on their way out, even even Plumley, You know, they could be starting over and, and kind of gearing toward the Victor Wembanyama uh, lottery. So I, I think to keep an eye on the Suns and, and the Raptors and the Hornets, all of those teams could be shaking things up a little bit. The, the Suns really, really want to get another point guard in there uh, just because, you know, Chris Paul's gotten a lot of injuries. He's up there in age as well, uh, and they're they're trying to make another playoff run. 
uh, once they get Devin Booker back. So the Suns would really be a team to watch, and, and the Hornets, who are going to probably have a fire sale, and the Raptors, really. I think everybody else could make some smaller moves around the edges. Not not everybody else, but some other teams. You know, we know the Cavs are trying to acquire shooters, and they've been active in conversations. The Celtics want to add another big in the event Horford or Robert Williams either get injured or stay injured. Um, so, you know, and the Bucks certainly are all in on trying to get Jay Crowder from the Suns. But, uh, you know, none of those names are real big. I, I, I think that there could be some moves around the edges for those contenders. Who's your favorite right now for the NBA Rookie of the Year? Well, I think you go with Banchero out of out of uh, Orlando. Paulo Banchero uh, has has been magnificent when he's healthy. Seems to have hit a little bit of a rookie wall, but that's not. I wouldn't think that would keep him from winning it. Um, really like Matherin from the Pacers too. Magnificent pick there. Uh, has been you know coming off the bench. Has really I I put on the website today has made Buddy Heald and Chris Duarte. Those uh, their other two shoot guards. I bet the Pacers Pacers are looking to trade one of them, or at least exploring trading one of them uh, because of the the rise of Matherin. But I, I right now I would give it to Banchero, then Matherin uh, from the Pacers, and then Nikola Jokic is well on his way to his third straight MVP award. Correct? I'll tell you, yeah. I mean that's hard to argue with. We're seeing him last night, just the way he controlled game. You know, if the Pelicans fans saw it. He he just he's just so brilliant with the basketball. For a guy his size, always making the right play, the right decision, and then you know he's a team first guy. Yet he could get you thirty or forty if he if you if you need it. So uh, it seems like he would be way up there. Obviously, the usual suspects of Embiid, Antetokounmpo. Uh, and perhaps one of the Celtics, whether, you know, Jason Tatum's probably in the running as well. Sam Amico of HoopsWire.com joining us here on the game hotline. Sam, appreciate you as always. And as the postseason gets a little bit closer, we'll, uh, we'll have you on again to chat it up one more time. All right. Sounds good. Thanks a lot for having me. We'll talk to you soon. Sam Amico of HoopsWire.com. Once again, joining us here on the game hotline, the Pelicans will host the Minnesota Timberwolves tonight. Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, Rudy Gobert. Carl Anthony Towns is out. Rudy Gobert's day to day. The Pelicans will be without Zion, Najee Marshall, and Dyson Daniels. However, Brandon Ingram is back. He's listed as probable for tonight's contest with the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Pelicans listed as a three-point favorite, and their odds have swung to now plus 550 to win the Southwest Division of the NBA. Crazy what one player can do. Just wait till Zion's back, and they're both healthy. Watch what those odds do. The Pelicans, you heard it here first. The Pelicans are going to finish the 2022 season as a top six team in the Western Conference. We'll talk Cajuns basketball and LSU basketball right after this here on The Game.
This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Now that you scored an Amazon Alexa or Google Home smart speaker for Christmas, use it to listen to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Just ask Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana, and it's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You heard it. Call the hotline. It's 337-706-0111. The hotline is wide open for the remainder of the show. If you want to get in, Talk Sean Payton. We can talk the Pelicans, LSU, the Cajuns, McNeese, whatever you want. 337-706-0111. And before the break, we talked about the Alexa and Google Home smart speakers. Look, I got to tell you, I have a Google Home smart speaker at home. It works. I ask it all the time. Hey, hey, Google, do me a favor. Play the game Southwest Louisiana. And then I hear the melodious voices of, of Raymond Parson Third. It's just... It's, it really is that simple. We're not lying to you. So if you want to test it for yourself, it's kind of nice. It kind of works. 521 here on your Wednesday. Looking at the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns earlier this week, Bob Marlin, Gary Broadhead, and the Cajun Chicken. Yes, I said the Cajun Chicken. Met with the media, and Bob Marlin gave his thoughts on the team's road trip, winning four straight games on the road. Got ready for Texas State. That game started off kind of like South Alabama game, except we led the entire first half. And then the second half, they got the lead, and we had to come back and win the basketball game uh, at the end, which was impressive. I was proud of our guys. It was a gritty effort. We stayed the course. Jordan had 19 and 9. Greg had a huge game for us and and got big bucket after big bucket down the second half. Uh, Our defense was really good uh, in that game, the best it's been in a while, and was something we've really worked on. And we were excited to see it come to fruition a little bit. Uh, But we had about a seven and a half minute stretch in the second half where they didn't score uh, a field goal, and they only got maybe 17 for the game. Uh, so felt like we did a good job there, and we're excited to to make history. I mean, this is a storied program, and to do what we did uh, is pretty impressive. We talked about the 8 of 10 a lot in this room, and, you know, we're done with it. So now we can, can focus on the next game. From one Bob to another, let's go to the game hotline. Bob, what's up? Oh, nothing much, fellas. How y'all doing today? Oh, fantastic, man. What you got? You know, looking at the Cajuns' remaining games, you know, they have seven home games, uh, three road, and uh, I think the main contender, Marshall, has four home games for six road games. So we do have the advantage with them there. But I will tell you, our three road games are going to be extremely tough. You almost can only, it'd be harder to pick three tough road games since the left that we have with uh, Southern Miss, uh, James Madison, and Troy. So that means what, what, 
what I'm trying to say is we, we need to protect our home court if we want to get that one seat. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, you look at the schedule and you look at the record that the Cajuns have already put together being 6-2 and two in the conference. You know, if you can go 6-4 and four over this back 10, you're 12-6 and six in the conference, I think you're in great shape. Oh, no, they're going to need more than that, man. I really think they need to go at least 7-3 to hold off Marshall. Uh-huh. I don't think six and four is going to cut it out. It may be a fight, but the Marshall is pretty good now. And, you know, their net is better than ours, meaning, you know, their score differential is better than us. I mean, I'm not saying they're better, a better team than us, but Marshall is good. And I really think we're going to have to go 73, where we got to protect our home court. I just think we win all our home games. I think we're in good shape to get that one seed. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, James Madison, what? Why are James Madison one or two games back from us? James Madison is one game, two games back. Yeah, that's not, they have a lot of home games. Just like us, they got six home games and four road games there, but they have a lot of home games too. And I really think they're the third best team behind uh, us in Marshall. I think they're better than something this. But, uh, you know, they always say after a long road trip, the first game back, or the first home game back is always the hardest one. So I just hope they have their focus tomorrow night and uh, put away a good Troy team. And if they do that, I think they'll take care of the rest of the home state, fellas. Y'all have a good night. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, you know, lo- looking at that final 10, you've got Troy, Georgia Southern this weekend. you got Texas State Marshall the weekend after. And then you go on the road to Southern Miss and Troy. You come back to play ULM. You travel to James Madison. And then you come back February 22nd and 24th to play Arkansas State and South. If you go six and four in that stretch, including a win over Marshall, um, you might not be the one seed, but I think you're in great shape. Because whether you're the one seed or you're the two seed, you still don't play till Saturday. The top four seeds don't see the floor until Saturday. Now, granted, one, two, three, and four can affect who you're going to play Saturday. But regardless of the top four, you're not going to play until Saturday. So I think if the Cajuns can secure a a top four seed, granted, one or two would be ideal. But secure a top four seed, I think the Cajuns are in really good shape with teams like Southern Miss and Marshall, even Troy, Georgia Southern, hanging around there. Uh, ULM still hanging around as well, only one game back in, in the Sun Belt. Uh, looking, looking forward to the action tomorrow night inside the Cajun Dome. Tip-off set for seven between the Cajuns and the Trojans. But going back to Bob Marlin, he was talking this week about how the team needs to keep their head down and just keep working. Just keep working keep our head down and keep working you know you still Alfred and Sean all the time it's all about the work and if we continue to prepare like we have and, and be like professionals this group has been locked in they have tremendous camaraderie but we we just have to continue to be professional about it and realize that we just don't show up and, and win the team that plays the best is going to win and we have not played our best in a, in a couple of weeks, and we're looking forward to getting back to playing really good basketball. He also touched on 
this week being Coaches versus Cancer Week, with it also being Suits and Sneakers Week, where coaches will wear suits and their favorite pair of sneakers. Along those lines, I plan to, to pledge $100 for every three-point field goal that Cajuns make this week, and I would encourage people to, to jump on board and give to the American Cancer Society. And Coaches vs. Cancer has been good. I've been really involved with it the last probably eight years, and it's something that uh, is dear to all of us. So uh, we're excited about that opportunity. I remember a couple years ago they had when Suits and Sneakers Week first started, Bob broke out a pair of black and red Yeezys. James. Fire. They were absolutely incredible. They were all black, and then the the logo, the the V350 or whatever, was in red, and they were chef's kiss. Absolutely fantastic. I'm looking at them right now. They're not too bad. And then I think if I remember correctly, he wore his signature red blazer with those black shoes. Oh yeah. Uh, look, Bob's Bob's got style. I'm 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 gonna give Bob's him that. Bob's got some swag. I'm, I'm gonna give Bob that. He's got some. He's got some. He's got some style for sure. Um, but look, the Cajun chicken is back, and that's and this is. This is an understatement when I tell you that Matt loves the Cajun chicken. Look, man, I've heard stories about the Cajun chicken my entire life, and I've never got to see it in person because I was too young when he was around the first time. Mm -hmm. So this is the first time I'm actually going to see the fabulous Cajun chicken do his work. The one and only. And I'm so excited. And so is he because he said it was great. To be back in Acadiana. Oh, it feels great to be back. I'm just so excited about being back in the dome, being back in front of the fans, being back on the court. Uh, I recently moved back to Lafayette and been coming to the basketball games, and it's like the bug or whatever you want to call it. It's like, I got to get back out there one more time. And when they approach me with the idea, it's like, I'm in. He's in. He's in. He's in. He also was asked what fans could expect. Are all the old skits going to be back? I'm bringing out a lot of the skits that people love. Uh, we'll have um, Michael Jackson, Elvis, and the Grim Reaper. And I'm hoping to be able to use the Grim Reaper very well. So, it needs to be done. So supposedly he, he dresses up as the Grim Reaper in the closing moments of, of a game that the Cajuns have put away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So, hopefully, in in a game as big as the one against Marshall, he gets to pull out the Grim Reaper. That would uh, that would definitely be nice. And then Gary Broadhead met with the media and he gave his thoughts on their back to back home wins inside the Cajun Dome last week. I don't know, man. Y'all can tell me what we need to do, but I don't know. It's a, a kind of a. a Two games were kind of different. I thought we played really well against uh, Old Dominion and shot the ball well and all that. And then you play against Arkansas State and just you knew they could score. Then they were going to play some junk defense and it worked for them. You know, I thought they they did a good job of, of uh, defending us and but able to come out with a win. You know, just got to take it. Just kind of move from there. But uh, you know, with Lene being out, I think it kind of hurt us. Uh, and we just need her back. I think she's going to be back uh, this week. So 
you know, just uh, roll, get on the road and see if we can get a couple of wins. We'll take a timeout and we return. James and I will talk LSU men's basketball dropping their seventh straight to Arkansas last night. And just where do they go from here? You're listening to Crunch Time. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. So before we get to LSU men's basketball, there's some golf drama that is, no, this is actually incredible. So Patrick Reed, not sure if the name rings a bell for you, James. He's a Masters champion. He now plays in, on the Live Tour. And he is notoriously known around golf as being immature, crybaby, you know, diva, basically. Like the Tom Brady of golf, I guess. LeBron, Tom Brady, yeah, sure. That, that's that's a fair that's a fair comp. So he is currently in a legal battle with Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods, Davis Love III, and the PGA Tour, Patrick Reed is suing all of these people collectively in an antitrust violation. He claims that these members are in cahoots to destroy Live Golf. Okay, so legal drama, obviously, if you... And, and we know about the whole Live Golf versus PGA. Correct. We've known about this since last year. Correct. The other day, I think it was yesterday, Patrick Reed is in Dubai playing golf. Yeah. Roy McIlroy. Because he's a liver, right? Correct. Yes. Roy McIlroy was also in Dubai playing golf. Mm -hmm. Patrick Reed walks over to him and tries to shake his hand. And when Rory McIlroy did not shake his hand, because why would you shake the hand of a man that is suing you? He smacked him in the mot. Patrick Reed takes a tee out of his pocket and flicks it at Rory McIlroy. And the tee has the Live Golf logo on it. And there is a quote that said, I only did it because Rory was acting like an immature little child. <laughs> Fitting. Coming from you, Patrick Reed. So they asked Rory ab about the incident, and Rory just sat in this press conference and was stone cold silent. Like, if you think I'm answering that question. The, the question was, would you ever mend fences with Patrick Reed? No. No, I will not. Rory just stared at him like, are you dumb? So golf drama, great, great fun. To we, be to be fair, that could boost that would boost the ratings. Oh, it, it absolutely would boost. Because it's ratings. like, look, the the older audience already loves golf to begin with, so it's like they don't need all the extra stuff. But for kind of like the younger generation, kind of like some like my people in my my age group, correct. A little little bit of spiciness, a little bit of spice to the golf's, the baseballs of the world. Which that's another thing I do want to. I want to down the line kind of throw an idea at you. I don't know if you've seen it, but like kind of maybe changing up how lineups are, are worked in baseball to make it more exciting. 
make it more intriguing to watch. Interesting. I'm gonna throw that at you tomorrow. Interesting. But um, I want I want to get to LSU basketball because oh dude, even though we we've been trying to dodge it, we put oh, it all the dude. way to the end of the show. It's like we have to hit on it. I mean, this is something that we got to talk about. So LSU fell to Arkansas last night, sixty to forty, to fall to twelve and eight on the year, and one and seven in the SEC. Now, now it, it was another good good solid defensive performance. Correct. You held Arkansas to sixty. That's great. However. However you scored 14 points in the first half. I literally read a tweet that said that the Tigers were one of eight mm-hmm. on layups. In the first half. Come from Koki. Layups! Now look, I don't claim to be this, you know, First-team All-NBA baller. Pretty sure I could make one, more than one layup if I had eight opportunities. Defender or no defender. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I could at least make two. I'm just saying. One of eight from lay, of layups. That means five feet or closer. Make that make sense. And and you know another thing? Nine people got in the game. No one hit double digits in points. K.J. Williams, the guy that you have depended on to be your offense, had nine points on two of ten shooting. Adam Miller was supposed to be that guy to hit the spark from behind the arc. He's he's he has absolutely struggled. You shot twenty it's been putrid from behind the arc. You shot twenty five percent as a team. You shot one of nine from downtown. One of nine. You got eleven of your forty points from the charity stripe. But here's what's crazy: you talk about all those offensive struggles, right? What's the second most important statistic in a basketball game? Rebounds. You know, Arkansas only out-rebounded LSU by one? Correct. But you know the you know the big thing? And this is because of the missed shots, but the assist totals. What, 15 to 6? Yeah. Yikes. Six total assists in a game? Yeah, that's that's not good. That's That's not good. Now that, of course, plays into the part of they just can't make their shots, but it's like even when they're passing and they're trying to get it to their teammate to get an open shot, they're still not making it. They're still not making the shots. And, and look, here's here's the big thing here. At this point, it's in their heads. Oh, of course. It's, it's been in their heads. Of course. Here's the big thing here. It's year one. Nobody expected LSU to be a tournament team in year one under Matt McMahon. And if you did... Well, then somebody needs to teach you how to have lower expectations. Well, I because thought, I thought they, I thought they would make the make the tournament, and I thought they could win one game, maybe get a second one in if depending on their matchup. But I thought them getting getting to the second round was like the best thing that they could do. You see, I was worried that I I, I was thinking a tournament appearance would be a success with this group. I mean, you, you think about it. When Matt McMahon showed up to Baton Rouge, he had no players. 
He had no one. No, he had one scholarship guy, I think, come back. No, zero. Or it was it was You it had was a walk on come back. Walk on that came back. Yeah, you had Parker Edwards, who was a walk on. He came back. That was it. You had zero scholarship athletes. You had to build this team from scratch. And he brought a lot of guys with him from Murray State. Murray State. KJ Williams, Juice Hill, Trey Hannibal. They all came from Murray State. Now, Murray State's a good basketball program. They've produced guys like Campaign and Ja Morant and a couple others. But Murray State is not LSU. There's a talent gap there. And you are, you are now, you know, you're, you're seeing that because you have mid-major talent trying to play in the SEC. Now, again, is K.J. Williams SEC talent? Yes, I think so. Can Trey Hannibal be SEC talent? Maybe. But everybody else kind of kind of stretching it. It was a thrown together team last minute. Matt McMahon needed something. And he he's doing the best with what he could. And when every when everything started falling into place early in the season, and they were, you know, 10 and 1, 11 and 1. And then you beat Arkansas to go to 12-1. and one. Everybody's expectations went straight up. Oh, this team might have something here. Maybe they can do something. And now that they're on a seven-game losing streak, it's the sky's falling. Oh, I don't know if Matt McMahon can coach in the SEC. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's the man's first year. You have to give, in college basketball, and certainly in college basketball, you have to give two years before you can make a judgment on a coach. If after two years you have seen zero improvement, then make a change. Or then say, look, here's your last opportunity. you got to figure something out. But after 20 games where he had to basically scrape a team together off the street? Nah. I'm not ready to write out Matt McMahon just yet. I think he's a hell of a coach. He carries himself well. His players want to play for him, which is hugely important. I think that there's a a lot of talent on this team that could be very positive for the future. And then here's the other thing. Yes, they've lost seven straight games. But James, what's the big key word here? Look at their losses. Have they not competed in most of them? Most of them have been very competitive. Kentucky, you lost by three. A&M, you only lost by 13. Florida, you lost by 11. Auburn, you were in it for a little while. Each of these games, and, and you know, Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas, you just got beat. 
But in those other four games, you competed with an your defense kept you in the game with a mid-major roster in the SEC. If that doesn't tell you that the guy can coach, I'm not sure what does. He's taking guys that I mean let's let's be real about something. He's taking guys that UL probably recruited. Put them in an LSU uniform and is competing. So again, if that doesn't tell you something, I'm not really sure what else you, you need to hear. So LSU men's basketball will be fine. They host Texas Tech this Saturday inside the PMAC at 1 o'clock, and you can hear that right here on the game. We will wrap up today's show right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in tonight from 6 to 7 for the McNeese Coaches Show, presented by Maplewood Burgers, line of bed out of Westlake, and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Jim Gazzolo will be talking all things Cowboys with head football coach Gary Goff. Tune in tonight, starting at 6, for the McNeese Coaches Show right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, Matt. I want, I, I talked about I want to do it yet tomorrow, but I, I really like the idea and I want to bring it up right now since we got a few more minutes with baseball. Instead of you just having all nine and they just bat in that order, you give them four at bats and the manager is able to put in the players at any point that they want. So, like, let's say you want to put in Altuve at this point in the game, like third inning or whatever, and he strikes out or hits a fly out and there's like two or three guys on base, and you're like, get, get, get back out there. So then there's his second at-bat. You want to do it again because he struck out? Go out there again. And then he hits hits the home run or the grand slam for three or four runs to make a huge statement in the game. And with that, you have nine players, four at-bats for each one of them. Have them play at any point. You always have your guys playing at the moments that you want them to instead of hoping, oh, man, my my catcher for the day. Oh God! Why is Martine out here for yeah. a, for a big there's, time moment? There, I can put out Jordan. There's two outs with the bases loaded and Maldi's up. Like no offense to Maldi, but like you're a one fifty batter. I would much rather I would much rather Jordan in and, this moment. And it's like at this point, that's thirty six total at bats. That's and there's twenty and there's twenty seven outs in a game. So likelihood that you may have to go past the thirty six, you kind of do a reset almost, but everybody. It gets one so at bat at, at that, that point. You would go to a regular batting order, almost. But you put it in whatever you want, right? And then it's like, so if you want Jordan to go out there, cool. But Jordan's got to wait until the other eight guys go until you can get him back in as soon as you can. Interesting. That way, it's more exciting. Your big players play at big time moments. If you want Mike Trout to play and make the big time hit potentially, 
you can put them out there when you want instead of you being like, oh, man, I'm really hoping we can get back to this part of the order. Anytime there's two-plus guys on base, I either want Jordan or Kyle Tucker. Correct. King Tuck. On either one of them. Or Bregman. Call, man. And, and, here's, and here's the thing with that. Let's say you make a switch because sometimes you'll see a switch at batter yeah. at some point in the game. Now they have to get through their four before you can hit that hard reset of having the one guys, the guys in getting that one at bat. For you, kind of, I guess you could call it that the overtime batting order. If you make a switch, they got to get their four in before we get to the reset. It's an interesting concept. We do know that there's a we do know that there's an experiment league for baseball. I forget what it's called, but. I feel like that's a rule that they could test. Should we start our own baseball league where that's the rule? That's what I was talking about with my dad. He's like, mm. just, just like Crunch talk time. to the MLB and, and just like, just ask for ten percent. Crunch time <laughs> baseball. We could start our own league. I know some business owners that could probably endorse it, and we could we could have a lot of fun with it. Cane cutters, what's up? <laughs> That's going to do it for today's edition of Crunch Time. Shout out to Jay Walker for joining us for Cajun's Corner, as well as, well as Sam Amico of HoopsWire.com. The McNeese Coaches Show is next. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, and you've been listening to the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Let's throw it over to Maplewood Burgers on Nelson Road in Lake Charles, where Jim Gazzolo hosts the McNeese Coaches Show.